Hello filmmakers, you're very welcome to the 8th episode of FNI Rap Chat. Uh, it's just me, Paul Webster, uh, writing solo for the intro today. Um, first of all, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Westland Studios, uh, just off Pier Street. Um, for all your recording needs, ADR, um, if you, whatever your budget, give Alman a call, uh, they're very accommodating. Um, if you go to the website, it's westlandstudiosdublin.com. Now, first of all, uh, we had some very sad news last week about the passing of uh, Irish filmmaker Simon Fitzmaurice, uh, who had been suffering with MND. Um, he was the subject of a, a documentary called It's Not Yet Dark, uh, which was based on the book that Simon wrote. Um, we had Frankie Fenton uh, on a few weeks ago uh, for a great chat, and uh, it's a beautiful film, uh, really amazingly well directed by Frankie uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode it's episode number four uh, yeah myself and Paul we were both very moved uh, when we watched the film I, I honestly think it's it's one of the best Irish documentaries uh, of the last few years um, and there's some there's a lot of very strong competition there uh, so it's a really impressive piece of work um, it, it will be available on VOD soon, so we will keep you up to date on that. And if you have American cousins, you can tell them about it. It is available on iTunes and Amazon and those platforms uh, now in America. Uh, so, yes, today is kind of a writery special. Uh, so with that in mind, um, some kind of writer news. Storyland is happening again this year. Um, so... If you want to get yourself down to RT tomorrow, there is a uh, the launch. Um, so they're launching uh, this round. Uh, so they're specifically looking for writers and you need a treatment uh, and also have a producer on board. And I believe the director comes on later then. Uh, and the team is Rage this year. So a uh, lot of, <laughs> I think there'll be a lot of interesting uh, ideas coming in this year. Uh, so today, uh, if you've ever wondered how uh, a guy who grew up in South Central LA could end up writing storylines for Fair City, uh, this is the show for you. Uh, Carl Austin, um, really great guy, brilliant writer. Um, he's been living here the last few years, but he kind of came up during the 90s as a writer, um, working kind of doing scripts for the directed DVD market, kind of thrillers and that kind of thing. Uh, he's also worked uh, for films in Bollywood and continues to write films for Bollywood. So uh, it's a really fascinating journey. And Carl is a guy who just lives and breathes films. Uh, he used to manage the, the Chinese theatre, the famous theatre in LA. Uh, he's just had a fascinating life. But this is a really good one just to learn about the graft and the hustle of writing and how to just keep working and keep, you know, getting the jobs and getting experience. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool, inspirational conversation that we had. So we hope you enjoy. Rap chat, welcome to Carl Austin. Thanks very much for coming in. Oh man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Carl. Hey. hey. 
Uh, falls. <laughs> so, um, growing up in South LA, movies seem to be a huge part of your life. What, where, when did movies first come into your life? Uh, movies first came into my life. I was actually quite young, probably, because um, uh, as you can get, there wasn't a whole lot else to do around uh, South Central LA when I was back in the. Uh, this would have been like the early seventies or so. Uh, without getting into trouble, shall we say. Uh, so my mother, bless her, she um, she introduced me to movies at a very young age. Um, I mean, she maybe probably should have started with different movies. I saw The Exorcist in the <laughs> cinema when I was five, which, uh, let me tell you, nothing sends you to a five-year-old to church quite like that. Yeah. Oh, good God. Um, and so my my actual film education started... Weirdly, with uh, kung fu movies okay. oh, no. and black exploitation movies. Okay, wow. So it's like we're talking like double bills of Enter the Dragon and Superfly. <laughs> awesome. What my weekends were like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. In cinemas, like in the cinema. Oh yeah, yeah in the yeah. cinema there was yeah. um the downtown LA. Yeah. Uh, this was you know when you could, when there were still like areas where you'd have eight, nine, ten cinemas right. all along one road. Yeah, and you, yeah. could, you could just you would just walk down Broadway. Yeah. You know, and you go, Oh, maybe I'll go to the State Cinema today. Maybe I'll go to the Tower or the or the uh, the Orpheum. Yeah. You know? mm. In fact, if you um go back and you watch um what is the film? Uh, collateral. Yeah. The Orpheum theater is in collateral. There's a scene of it in the in that's where I saw most of my movies when I was a kid. It, it doesn't show movies anymore, but it's still there. Right. And uh, it's often used as a prop now when, when you want to set something in that era. Okay. You know, but it, it's where I saw, geez, I think it's where I saw my first film, which would have probably been Into the Dragon. Okay. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. What a way to pop your Kung Fu cherry, huh? That, I, you know, you know <laughs> it's like, got, it's like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it, I went up getting my ass kicked on several right. of that movie because I, I thought I could fight just because I watched it. Would they be the but, dubbed versions? Um, well, Into the Dragon would, yeah. would have been the first English language one. Okay, okay. so they wouldn't have yeah. been dubbed. I did see the dubbed ones that came out after that because like Into the Dragon kind of hit big first in the states. Yeah, and then came Fists of Fury and. Um, uh, what's the, what is the, what is that other one called? The Chinese Connection, and right? All those yeah, yeah. They kind of hopped on the success of Enter the Dragon. Yeah. At least you know, in my memory. But like I said, yeah. that this seventy three, seventy four, I would have been five or six. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they were out before, and I just never noticed. And when was the first time you thought this is something I could do writing? Oh God, that well, that would have been as I'm sure most. You know, writers my age would say that would have been Star Wars. Okay. Oh, okay. That, that would have been 1977. Yeah. It would have been the first time I noticed credits. Right. Because, I mean, it's like, I couldn't tell you who wrote or directed um, Into the Dragon or any of those yeah. films because, you know, it wasn't something you were looking for. Yeah. But Star Wars ended. You know, there was that rotoscope at the end, and then the first thing you see after that, that amazing amazing ending is written and directed by George Lucas. Right. Mm. And it was like, oh, someone put this together. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went off and started reading and discovered, yeah, you know, there are there are writers who come up with this stuff and yeah. do it. And so that's kind of where I started there. And this was evidently before Googling as well. So yes, yeah, well well before <laughs> Googling. Yeah. It's like I had to go buy this thing called a newspaper. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it, it was printed on 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 this you know kind of crumbly stuff. I it's like, yeah. I know K 
kids, it's hard to believe, but there was a time <laughs> when you had to go out and buy something to learn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so then Boys in the Hood, was that kind of the first time your neighborhood was seen that you saw your life kind of reflected back? I would say, um, let me think about that. Um, I'd have to say, yeah, more, well, reflected back properly. Right. Because um, before Boys in the Hood, there was Colors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Duval and Duval and Pen. Duval and Pen. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, uh, the, the, that lovely, lovely examination of my neighborhood from a bunch of people who had actually never set foot in it. Right, yeah, yeah. You know? um, and look, I'm not going to rag on them. I mean, I'm sure they had good intentions and everything, but yeah. it's, you know, there's not a single African-American character in that film that, that you know, comes across as real or true to me. Right. There just just wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, even watching at the time, I just remember thinking that... That's not my life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And did you, were you on set? Did you see that being filmed there? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. I, I mean, at, at that time, um, like I said, I, I mean, I'm, obviously, you know, it's like when I was friends with John. We grew up in the same neighborhood yeah. and everything. But uh, we, we actually hadn't, we weren't speaking anymore by that time. Okay. I mean, yeah. we, we, it's not like we, we had a falling out. Yeah. You, you know, you just go off in different directions. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. apart. And yeah. then the first I knew about Boys in the Hood was when we scheduled, we had the, one of the first screenings for it. Okay. And I realized who it was that had done it. Okay. And then I got back in touch. And, cool. You know, and the friendship kind of rekindled from there. Nice. Cool. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't know anything about Boys in the Hood until it happened. And then I watched it, and I went, wow. I was, like, going, I, I mean, watching it and seeing things that, you know, not even just stuff that was real, but stuff that I was like, oh, I kind of remember that. I kind of remember that happening. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, and then, so, yeah, so you, when was your, what was your first foray into filmmaking or writing? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, my first professional foray or my first foray foray? Uh, well, yeah, what, what led to your well, profession? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, I, the, fir I mean, the first script I ever wrote, I wrote when I was 14 years old. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, and it, it was a full script. It was 113 pages long, and I'm sure it was awful. <laughs> but A uh, space opera, obviously. It, no, it wasn't, believe it or not. It was a dark comedy uh, called My First Day, which was about this black kid who um, had been going to private schools his whole life, and then his family lost all their money, and suddenly he had to go to a school in the hood. <laughs> oh, so it was like remade as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Well, <laughs> well, if the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had gone around. on to accidentally kill the school bully <laughs> and then spend the rest of the yeah. day trying to cover up a murder, then okay. yes. Oh, it's multi-layered, I like it. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's where my brain was at the time. It was, my brain was like, what if John Hughes actually knew what knew, knew any black people. Oh, cool. You know? Right, right. Um, and so, was that, a, that was a feature? It was yeah. a feature script. Okay. And like I said, it was probably awful, but it was the moment where I realized I could write something and yeah. finish it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and like I, said, I was, at the time, I mean, I had a job. I was, I went from, uh, from when I was about 16, I, I got a job working for uh, a now defunct, cinema chain called Man Theaters in the United States. Right. And I, so I was writing, um, I was writing during the day and I was working at the cinema as an usher at night, yeah. um, you know, so I, you know, promoted up and eventually I became a manager. 
And um, I, was, I, I started working at the Chinese Theater in Hollywood as a manager. At the Chinese and the Village Theater in Westwood, those are the two premiere theaters. The ones yeah. you see on the news, yeah, with yeah. all the premieres and everything yeah, all the yeah. time. So I was ma- going back and forth managing those two. Was that tough? Uh, it, no, no, it wasn't actually. It was fabulous. Right. <laughs> you know, I actually loved it. It yeah. was. It's like if I wasn't doing this, I'd still be running movie theaters. Right. I love movie theaters. It's like the, the thing that saddens me more than anything is. You know, I mean, and don't be wrong. I love my forty-inch television with my high-def screen and my surround sound. Yeah, yeah. But I prefer a cinema. Yeah. I prefer that communal experience of watching a movie with other people. You know, and it was so amazing to be able to. I mean, I was getting paid to be in a movie theater. Yeah. Eight hours a day, cool. six days a week. Yeah. I. It was just. It, it was the best job. Right. It was the best job I ever had. Yeah. I loved it to death. Um, and But the reason I brought that up is because, as it turns out, when I was managing the theater, uh, my projectionist, um, he was uh, you know, a full-fledged projectionist, but he also was a literary agent on okay. the side. And I had been writing, I was writing, I think at the time I was writing a spec script for some TV show, don't don't hold me to this, but I think it might have been Hunter with Fred Dreyer. Okay. And I don't know if that even made it to Ireland, but it was this no, really just... awful cop show right. with starring this ex-football star. Okay. You know? And thinking back on it now, even thinking about that show, it actually makes my head hurt. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, Google it, kids. Um, it, uh, and I left the script on my desk while I went downstairs to deal with something in the theater. And I, he wandered into my office looking for something, and he found the script and took it. And so I spent the next, you know, day thinking someone had just stolen my spec. Right. And then, I, you know, he called me at home the next day and just said, do you have any representation? And I was like, well, no, of course not. Why you ask? And then he told me, you know, well, you know, I am partners with a another guy and we have a little literary age. We, rec- rec- we represent about five or six writers. Would you like to be represented. And I was like, well, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he got me my first paid writing gig. Wow. um, Which brings us to the 90s and the direct-to-video bonanza. Right. Um, Mm. This would have been, uh, in the States especially, this would have been um, the height of Blockbuster Video. Right. There was, you know, because Blockbuster needed product. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was, became this whole market of you know filmmakers and producers, Roger Corman level, right. who would make these films yeah. with B-list actors yeah. on the cheap that would not be released in cinemas. They would go direct to videotape, yeah. and yeah. Blockbuster would stock them. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. a lot of, like a lot of them would either star you know, shall we say martial arts actors or Playboy Playmate actors. Right, yeah. People on the way up or on the way down. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, with uh, basically, you you know, uh, like fatal uh, fatal attraction um, knockoffs or, you know, or, you know, cheap rate Enter the Dragons, you know, but it was a huge market. Yeah. And so I, the, the agent got me a meeting with this director who was 
in the line to do one of these, shall we say, they would call them erotic thrillers back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, like Blue Orchid, that kind of Mickey yeah, Rourke stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes. You it didn't was, do anything I, but Mickey Rourke, did exactly. you? No, I did not. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, you know, uh, it's still one of my big regrets. But so, saucy thrillers. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and he basically... Silk sheets. <laughs> Silk, sto- silk stockings, I believe it was called. Um, so he got me a meeting with this director, and it was it was just he. I guess he had had another film that he was going to do, and it had fallen through uh, for some reason. But they still wanted to do a film, and they still wanted to start at the same time, but they had no script. Oh, and okay. he basically said, "Listen, can you write me a script in three days?" I was like, how, how long was scope? He goes, 90 to 100 pages. Nothing motivates like a deadline, yeah, huh? And he, uh, he, he, and he said, I said, he said, he said, I'll pay you. And now, you know, it wasn't a huge money. It was about, it was about five grand. Okay. But to, you know, a 22-year-old kid who had never been paid to write, who had student loans <laughs> coming out of his years, yeah. was a huge amount of money. So I was like, of course I can write that in three days. And then I went home and... <laughs> Oh God! I, back then, I wrote everything longhand. Oh, I could not type. Right. So I would write longhand, and then my girlfriend at the time, bless her heart, would uh, go to the word processor and she would type it for me. Okay. So, but a day and a half in. Oh God, I can't remember. This, this is awful. But a day and a half in, um, the word processor died, oh. and took the file with it. And it was just, uh, I remember, and I'm not making this up, I remember her physically chucking it out the window. <laughs> you know? So went down, went down, went to Staples, and I bought my first IBM laptop. Okay. Came back, and then had to, she had to retype all of those pages, and I had to keep writing okay. to meet that three-day deadline. But we did it. 92 pages, three wow. days. Turned it in, and uh, he went, yep, this works. And they started filming it like you know, like a week later. No way. Because wow. he already had a cast. He just, he told me what you know who he had cast, yeah. and that he needed characters for these people. Okay. So it really was like like putting a puzzle together. Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong, not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> not a good movie at all. What an exercise in discipline. But yeah, but you know, but it was my first gig, and and it's funny because. Every now and then, I see it pop up on Movies for Men channel really? over here. Really? And I just go, man, 25 years on, and it's still got a life. What's it called? Oh, God, it's called Wild Cactus. <laughs> Wild Cactus. Wild Cactus. Okay. That's how we like our cacti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that's the thing. It's like, well, apparently, Wild Orchid was already taken. <laughs> so Anything phallic and sharp. Yes, yeah, phallic and sharp and set in the <laughs> desert. Yeah, and water. But you must have been the guy then. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I, well, I became the guy for a very long time after that. I okay. wrote or, re, or, or, or script doctored, I'd say, about two dozen of those movies okay. over the course between 1992 and 1996, yeah. which was when, the, um, which when that really hit its height, that yeah. market. Like, I, I mean, I did stuff for, like, Shannon Tweed and... Right. Uh, like, I mean, pretty much, if, it was a, if there was a Playmate of the Year that, that had one of those movies, I worked on it at some point. Okay, okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, which was uh, which was so surreal because it's like you know it's like of course I was a young kid I I read Playboy 
right. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm hanging yes, out. Yes, with... we all read Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> but you must have honed your skills then. Like, oh, very much so. It, it, well, yeah, but that's the thing. It, it was that thing of um, learning how to write within the industry itself. It wasn't just yeah. me sitting at a desk going, making stuff, stuff and doing whatever I wanted. Yeah. It's like there was a budget yeah. and there was a number of shooting days and you were told this, you'd stay in this, the no messing. Yeah. Mm. You know, and so you learned very quickly how to, uh, how to write, I would say, you know, uh, write something that could be made. Right. That's the thing. It was like, it, you weren't just, you know, yeah, you'll be sure if you're James Cameron, you can just write whatever the hell yeah, you want yeah, 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 and yeah. go make it. Yeah. But if you're talking about low budget cinema, yeah. you have to say, you know, this is what I can do. This is what we can make. And that's how you keep getting hired. Okay. The next guy goes, you did that and you kept it to budget yeah. and you, you know, gave them what they wanted. Come on, I need you to do the same thing over here. Yeah, a lot of uh, interiors. <laughs> a, lot, yeah, a lot of interiors keep the night scenes to a minimum. Right. You know, because yeah. lighting takes time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And were you, did you learn about pitching there or were they coming to you with ideas? You know, it's funny. Um, I, as a, I've never had to, um, to do a lot of pitching. It's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's L.A., so yeah, I mean, everybody has the elevator pitch. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to, you know, have, say to someone in a very short amount of time, this is the, what I think the story is. But I've, I've never had to go into a room with an idea I had and convince someone to, to take it on. Mm-hmm. It's like, because usually, like I said, especially in that era, it's like going, they were usually coming to me. And I myself tend to prefer it with my own ideas. I prefer to just write it. Rather than pitch it, right? You know, um, I like. I mean, don't. I mean, I mean, on you know, in TV, of course, you have to pitch, you know, ideas for the episodes. Yeah. And that, you know, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, you know, Paul. Yeah. It's like you. It's like you basically write a paragraph. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, you either hand it in or you talk it out. Yeah. With, yeah, you know, yeah. with the showrunner. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, as far as films goes. I've always been more like that Shane Black school of just go, just go fucking write it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. because whatever you pitch, probably won't be as deep or as well thought out as what you've written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And did the arse kind of fall out of the the direct? Oh for boy, you? Yeah. did it! Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. the arse yeah, fall yeah. out <laughs> for you? Oh, in 1977, that arse hit the floor. <laughs> it just bam! It was just because block was blockbuster just yeah. kind of went away. Right. Yeah, know? sure. They had the option to buy Netflix, didn't they? And yeah, they, and they passed. They yeah, really. it's like six million, and it's yeah. worth like six billion now or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. and they passed on it. I mean, I mean that's kind of around the time in the States. I mean, the whole Netflix thing with the, bringing the videos to your door started mm-hmm. coming, and then the internet was there, and you could just see things yeah. on the on yeah. your computer. Yeah, yeah. You know? So. so how did you end up in London writing for The Bill? Oh, Okay. Uh, well, um, weirdly, it's, it's that same director, the one who uh, gave me the first job back in 92. Uh, he was a lovely man. He was an Indian fellow named Jag Mundra. Uh, he, he had been a, a, a film instructor at Loyola Marymount, and then he went off and started directing his films himself. Uh, he had moved to, to, to England. You know, when the, as you say, the arse fell out of the straight-to-video market. <laughs> and um, at the time, like I said, I was, um, I think I stopped working, I had stopped working at the Chinese by then. I was working at a video store in uh, Los Angeles called Dave's Video, which was another one of those places that uh, 
filmmakers and writers they congregated and worked there or they came and bought it it was where people came to buy laser discs and dvds when people weren't buying those things yet when everyone right. was still buying you know videotapes and cassettes like lads who were ahead of the curve yeah there, like, like, yeah. there was like going well, you know the nerds of us who wanted that really cool thing that no one else had yeah uh so days video which is unfortunately now gone as well uh, but it was an amazing store, and I was working there, and I I hadn't I probably hadn't written anything in a or at least nothing that had been made in a few years by then, um, uh, and then I got this call from from Jag from London basically he goes Do you have a passport? I'm like, I'm American, of course I don't have a passport. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? He goes Well, get one. I need you to come to London, and I was like Why? He goes Just just do it. And so I did it, and what it turned out, what, what it was, was that he had gone to London, and at the time, there was this um, um, tax rebate uh, scheme that had been set up between Bollywood and England. So it was like, if you uh, they would bring a lot of Indian talent over to film movies in London. Okay. And um, so Jag had, you know, set up his new production shingle there, and he wanted to make a movie uh, with Ashwarya Rai, who you may remember. She is that amazingly beautiful Indian actress. Yeah, who, yeah, she, she does the Maybelline commercials yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, over here and things like that. But she's also the biggest star in all of Bollywood. Okay. And uh, he wanted to work with her. And she wanted to do an English language film, a drama, mm -hmm. you know, to show, but basically, so she had more going for her than just being, you know, um, funny or eye candy or whatever, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and um, he, there was a story about this woman. Her name was Kiranjit Alawalia, and uh, she was a um, Indian woman uh, who was in an, put into an arranged marriage, and her husband was an abusive um, psychopath. He he beat her, he raped her. Um, uh, he, he he was an awful human being, and uh, so eventually, uh, she snapped and she she killed him. She uh, and she was sent to prison. Um, while she was while while she was in prison, um, her cause was taken up by this uh, group of uh, activists called the South Hall Black Sisters, okay. um, and they eventually got her a retrial. And it basically, this became the first um, time uh, spousal abuse was used as a defense mm. for, you know, for, for murder in the United Kingdom. Yeah, as a motive. Yeah. And um, it, it, was it was basically uh, England's the burning bed. Oh. And eventually, she was found um, not guilty and, and released. And Jag had gotten the rights to her story. Okay. And so he wanted to make this as a vehicle for Ashwarya, and so he was like, "Go write it," and so I did, and it was, uh, and it did really well. It, it it did it did oh it it it, it was it did okay in cinemas in um in in England, but it did really well in India. Okay, and off of that, um, off off of that, I moved to to London. Right. You know, I was like, I never lived anywhere except uh, Los Angeles, yeah. really, yeah. Uh, for an extended period of time. Right. You know, a few, a few, you know, a year in New York, a few months in San Francisco, but yeah. you know, I'd never left the country. Yeah. I was like, 
this is my shot to try something new. So I moved to England. And strangely enough, the, um, what was he? I think he was the set dresser for Provoked. That was the name of the Indian film. Okay. The, the, yeah. the, the, the true story. Um, he uh, invited me over to dinner at his house, and I met his wife, who happened to be the legal consultant for the bill. Okay. And so I had this lovely time with her, chatty, yeah. chatty, talking about my favorite TV shows back in the States, which are all crime shows, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she went back to work and said to the... Um, uh, Joe, what, what, what was Joe? She was, um, I think she was the story editor on the bill at the time. I said, yeah, I met this really lovely writer from the States who loves all the same shows you do. He's over here now. He's just written this film that's uh, coming out in a few months. Yeah. You know, maybe you might want to talk to him. So I get this email. Hey, I hear you, uh, I hear you like crime shows and you, uh, you like the bill. Come on in and let's Yeah, sure. I, I like the bill. You know, well, see, that's the thing. I had said I did. I had literally seen two episodes of the bill at like four in the morning yeah. in my hotel. Yeah, yeah. On, on like ITV2 or something. Yeah, yeah. Like old episodes. I didn't new episodes. Yeah, yeah. So I had no freaking idea. So I literally did a crash course on the bill in 24 hours. Right. I just I found every episode that I could. None of them in order, I yeah, yeah, point yeah, out, yeah, yeah. or from the same time period. It was just like, it's on, like, if you, like, come on, let's be honest. If you, In England, if you turn on your TV, you can find the bill at some point on some channel. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just basically watched six episodes over the course of a day. Right. And then went into this meeting, and it was, so who's your favorite character? I was like, Smithy, because he was the only one who was in every episode that yeah. I saw. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I just I I kind of ran off a few ideas I had about that character. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then we chatted about um, about you know TV. See, that's the thing. It's like what I found is that you know people who are you know people who love TV, you basically just want to talk about TV all the time. Yeah. And if you come across as knowing your stuff, you can make that connection, yeah. and you they'll usually give you your shot. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. And so the passion is there, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So basically, so by the end of that two hours, that hour turns into two hours. By the end of it, it literally was. So you want to write an episode? Uh. I was like, (laughs) sure. Yeah. Why not? And so that's how the bill happened. Cool. And then that's where you met your lovely wife, Tara Flynn, Irish comedian. Yeah. Uh, It it was in London, yeah. It was, uh, strangely, it was after the bill had ended. Okay. uh, Because, uh, you know, it ended in, Jesus, 08, I think it was, or 09, I can't remember for sure. Right. Um, But it was a shock to everybody, let me tell you. (laughs) Um, It was like 27 years, really, that's it, you know. Um, But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, and I met uh, met Tara in London, and... uh, then I, I had been about to go home to the States. Right. And then I met Tara, and then we started seeing each other, and so that plan got scrapped. Right. Yeah. And that obviously eventually led to coming to Ireland, which and is what working led to on Fair City. Fair City. Yeah. So now you spend your time, so you, you're a storyline writer for Fair City. How, yep. how did you find that initially, getting used to it? Um, it was interesting. I um I mean it was obviously I mean look I had the um uh the way station of England yeah yeah you know yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. um so at least some of the um cultural stuff yeah you know because there are quite a few Irish people in yeah. London yeah and you know I've been living with Tara for quite some time by yeah. then so yeah. so, so I understood a lot. Uh, 
I was already saying, saying, ah, you're grand, way too much. Yeah, the colloquialisms <laughs> were down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, to the point where my American friends were going, what? What are you talking about? I, I, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm just okay. Yeah. You know, that's what I just said. <laughs> no, you said, you said I'm grand. No, you're I'm exaggerating like, how, yeah, how yeah. well you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know what? Just roll with it, people. Um, so, that, but it was, um, it was a crash list because I hadn't, I mean, I mean, I know the bill was was a continuing drama, mm. but the bill was fifty episodes a year. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so Fair City is two hundred episodes a year. Yeah. So it was it's that speed. Yeah, that things happen at. Yeah, that yeah. that took real getting used to. Right. Mm. It was like just walking into that room. It's like there's no messing. Yeah. You walk into that room, you sit down. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's just like yeah. go, 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 yeah, yeah, go, yeah, 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 and it's, yeah, it's, it's it's eight hours if yeah. you're lucky, yeah. And then you go home and you, you just you just lie on the bed for a yeah. while and just go, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, intense. it's unbelievably intense. Yeah. But the thing, but it taught me something about myself, which is that I love soap. <laughs> right. I really do love soap. Right. I yeah. love that yeah, that yeah. canvas of yeah, yeah. you know having years and years and years of yeah. being able to like you know work with characters go you know you know um like my favorite my favorite cop show is NYPD Blue. Okay. And the reason for that is because you had 12 years to see Dennis Franz mm. go yeah. from where he began on that show yeah. which was this this awful, alcoholic, racist yeah. excuse for a human being. Yeah. And to the point where that last episode, 12 years on, the sight of him sitting in that captain's chair and contemplating on how far he's come yeah. and literally breaking your heart having to say goodbye to him. Right. Redemption! Yeah. You know, it's like, it's that, that redemption arc. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you can get a redemption arc in a film. Yeah, yeah. But two hours yeah, versus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. 144 hours. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no comparison for right at least not as a writer. Yeah. You know, you get yeah. to delve so much deeper. Yeah. Into the characters. You know, so it's like, and I, like I said, it makes me really happy that, that, you know, Television has gone that way of it's no longer episodic. It's not like the A team, yeah, where it's like going, they go out, you know, kick some bad guy butt, blow yeah. up a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. No one dies somehow. Yeah. And then the next week, it's like the last week never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like last week, Face Man was shot four times, nearly <laughs> died. This week, he's windsurfing. You know, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. oh, it was just like looking back on, I can't even watch that stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's just like going, it was like, but now it's like going, most TV shows, it's like stuff like The Good Wife and Game yeah. of Thrones, yeah, where yeah. You, you have that, mm. you know, that yeah. continuing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, through line. Yeah, that breadth of, of psychology, I guess, as well, to, yeah. be able to build real characters, or as real as they can be within the, that, in the construct. Be, yeah. yeah. So now you, so you spread your time, so you do Fair City, but you still do like Bollywood yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah right? I'm still, I, I'm actually working on three Bollywood scripts right now wow. simultaneously because once again um, and this never seems to change um, as a writer I have this problem with actually figuring out how much time I actually need to do yeah, a thing I know the feeling <laughs> Yeah, and I just kind of go oh that's plenty of time for that and then suddenly it's like oh my god Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and that used to I, I used to actually feel really bad about that but then I read, um, 
Have you read uh, Russell T. Davies' The Writer's Tale? No. It's 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 basically the story of his um, his final year of running the Doctor Who okay. uh, show in in Britain, and um, my if you read it and it it will make you feel so good about yourself because yeah. all the things that we do <laughs> yeah, yeah. he does okay he literally will be up at three o'clock in the morning having written one page of a script that's due in in four days to go yeah. to to start in pre production and he's just sitting there drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and kicking himself and going. Why aren't I writing this right now? FNL. You know? FNL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll just go watch a little bit of, you know, X Factor. Yeah, yeah. You know, then I'll come back. Yeah, yeah. And I'll write something then. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, it's like, well, I do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? So it's yeah. like, well, it's just something, it's something we do. Yeah, yeah. And totally. I've, I, I, I don't kick myself about it anymore. I just embrace it. Like yeah. I said, I've got these three scripts. I have to have them finished by the time I go back to Fair City in three weeks' time. Yeah, yeah. It'll get done. Yeah. <laughs> It will absolutely get done. Yeah, yeah. I won't feel well yeah. for days afterwards, <laughs> but it'll yeah. get done. Yeah, yeah. You know. So would you, would you just as we finish up now? Would you have any kind of advice for you know aspiring writers, people who are starting out? I guess. Just about how they would kind of either deal with rejection or how to get themselves motivated when things get bad. And, you well, know. I mean, with dealing with rejection, I, look, I still don't know how to deal with rejection. So I, I wouldn't, it's like, I just, I know I can't do anything else. I mean, A, I don't know how to do anything else, and B, I'm too old to do anything else <laughs> at this point. Uh, as for motivation, um, well, look, I mean, I don't recommend this for everybody. My motivation was, in, in the end, I got to a point where I went, this is what I really want, and if I'm ever going to make a real go at it, I have to take away, you know, um, my backup plan. Okay. You know, like like I so I quit the video store. You have to pull the rug metaphorically. Yeah. Yeah. I quit it and I went, now this is how I'm gonna this is how I will make my living. Right. Or I'm gonna be homeless. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know? yeah, now yeah. I don't recommend that for everybody. Yeah. But it was what I needed to set the fire under my ass. Worked for you, yeah. You know, because otherwise I would maybe still be, you know, Doing well, obviously not. Video stores are gone, yeah. but maybe I'd be, you know, mailing out Netflix DVDs <laughs> and, in yeah, the yeah. daytime and yeah, yeah. writing at night when I could. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that was that was my way of doing it. But like I said, don't recommend that for everybody. But I say find that find the thing that will set the fire under you and yeah. just do that. Just go with it. Yeah, that's a, a great place to leave it. Thank you so much. Oh, no, no, guys, come on! Thank you for having me. I, like, I still always feel like a bit of a fraud when people ask me to do things like this. Uh, I'm no, like, that was, that really, really, me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, that was very helpful. And